on today's episode of Talkin' Tom, we're blasting into the past with Toy Story, starring the man with a snick in his boot, Tom Hanks. Toy Story is a 1995 buddy comedy adventure film directed by John Lasseter and is the first feature-length computer-animated film, period. So, if you're ready for a conversation about childhood nostalgia, voice acting, and the movie that introduced us to the man himself, keep listening. Howdy, howdy, howdy. My mom always said... Life was like a box of chocolates. Welcome back, Hanks Heads, to another episode of Talking Tom, the Pod Hanks Tomcast, where we watch Tom Hanks movies and then we talk about them. My Yay! Oh, oh no, I cut you off. <laughs> we always do that. <laughs> Someday we'll get it right. <laughs> My name's Josie. I'm Daniel. And we're just a couple of pals who get together to watch Tom Hanks movies. Uh, we met, you and I met, what, like four years ago? You, you, yeah, you were one of the first people I met in LA. Yeah, likewise. It was like a few, I moved here in a, a few months. Yeah, it was like 2000, late 2014, early 2015, I think. I moved here, didn't know anyone, got a job on this reality television show set, and lo and behold, you were my boss. Yeah. <laughs> and here we are. <laughs> and nothing is really different except for a lot. No. I don't get paid anymore. Yeah. So, a little different, I guess. Yeah. Well, <laughs> we started this podcast... For a few reasons. Uh, first, I strong-armed Daniel into it. Came yes. up with this idea and then never forgot it. But you pitched it. You were like, I have the tagline. It's going to be called the Pod Hanks Tomcast. And <laughs> yeah. at that point, I was pretty well in. And it, there, So we're just doing a little recap today because, what, we're like 23 episodes in now? Yeah. And I'm guessing that this episode will have some new listeners. And we're in primetime Tom now. Uh, yeah, exactly. Uh, so just a little refresher about Daniel and I. I'm a Tom Hanks super fan, and that's pretty much it. I don't watch a lot of movies. I don't. I never grew up watching a lot of things. So I'm coming at this podcast and us watching chronologically in order Tom Hanks movies just from like a true love of Tom and his work and his entire body of work. I'm also I'm also a, a Tom Hanks mm. super fan, but I come at it as a um, I did film school and spent most of, if not all, of my childhood taking in any and all movie content I could muster and get a ha- uh, get my hands on. Um, so I try and approach it from a sort of technical and film angle without seeming like a pretentious dumb white male, as is really easy to do. Um, <laughs> wow! On, on these film critic things. Yeah. So. Pretty much that's it. I'm that's the good. dumb super fan. Daniel's a smart guy who actually knows what he's talking about. And sometimes. together. Or sometimes we just, I just open Wikipedia and I'm like, if I say this in my own words, it sounds like I'm really <laughs> sounds knowledgeable. Sounds like I know it. Yeah. Well, we're having a lot of fun. Yeah. Today that's we watched good. a movie that, as I understand, is very close to your heart. Yeah. I would imagine that uh, a good amount of viewers our age, this is probably an important movie too. Yeah. It's a little something something called Toy Story. Ever heard of it? I've heard tell of it. Yeah. This is a good one. It's a very good one. Spoiler, but I mean, 
I would, this would be a really weird podcast. We came out and we're like, you know what is an overrated. Yeah. I feel like Toy Story being a classic is sort of the, that's just, that's just cinema history. It is what it is. So do you remember the first time you saw Toy Story? Um, I, I kind of vaguely do. I would have been five. Oh my God. And I know we went to theaters. Um, I remember it because I had to do something with a doctor that day. Mm. And so I remember coming from the doctor and then we got to go see Toy Story. Okay. I don't know why I remember that memory. I don't remember like the, the feeling of seeing it necessarily, but I tied this movie to a doctor's visit that I feel like I got a shot at or something. Ooh. And that was like the reward. My mom was like, we'll go see Toy Story. Oh my God. Cute. So do you, did you have like merch? Like, did you get licensed merchandise? Not really. I never had like, I had friends with like the full size Woody and Buzz, which I always thought were awesome. That is so cool. I always had, I maybe had some small ones, but I never had any of like the, the official like top of the line Toy Story merch. I might've had like a t-shirt, maybe okay. some of the smaller toys. Um, but I, I didn't, I, and I was I was only into, I was like into Star Wars toys. Yeah, yeah. And that was pretty much the toys I was into. I mean, if you think about it, this movie is like brilliant from a branding perspective. Oh, yeah. Like their entire like profit is built into the actual narrative of the story. It's also genius because at least in my mind, when I think of toys, I think of these toys, which are now real toys. Yeah. But even toys like Mr. Potato Head was, I mean, I'm sure they worked and licensed all of these real toys, but I, a lot of them, I couldn't tell you which ones started as a real toy. Like I know Mr. Potato Head and like the Etch-A-Sketch and um, the computer vocab one. I love that toy. Um, but I'm sure more of them were like toys before that have just, we now just associate as Toy Story toys. Yeah. They're kind of the army men and the, um, was Slinky? I don't know. That Slinky Probably dog? Not. Slinky's too cool to have been before. Yeah. Well. Were you? Did you, have, did you have some Toy Story merch as a kid? No, I I don't like remember seeing this movie. I know I've seen it, but yeah. I don't remember uh, like when I first saw it. Okay. I definitely didn't have any toys. I no. feel like I kind of, when I was little, before I was as woke as I am now, I yes. viewed this as like a boy movie. And now, of course, I understand that gender is a social construct. But, it, I mean, it's every, <laughs> pretty much every character in the first one is a dude, except yeah. Bo Peep. Yeah, and she's so there to just, sense. like, seduce She's just there like, to smooch Woody. Yeah. Um, this is a funny thing to say out loud. <laughs> yeah. And there's, there's my 10-year-old boy mine. Hell yeah. Well, yeah, no, I think that's fair, though. Yeah. I think they rectified that in the sequels. I agree. Um, but I think the first one, it's a lot of... A boy stuff going on. Well, and if I'm being honest, this movie just makes me so anxious. What was the other movie that we were watching that I felt I felt the exact same way? Probably Apollo. Was it Apollo 13? No. No. It was... I remember, like, I. it just makes me uncomfortable to watch it. Because was it, it The Burbs? Mm, that would make sense. I feel like The Burbs might have been it. The Burbs or what's Money Pit, where they just keep... That was oh, the money one. for it actually. Yeah. Oh my god. You're just like, why do things keep going wrong? Yeah, mm-hmm. I know that's like how stories are told, like conflict and then eventual resolution. But good yeah. god, these toys are happy for like two minutes, and then everything goes <laughs> wrong. And it's all misunderstandings and. Yeah. Well, before we get too out of ourselves, yeah. Uh, why don't you sum up this movie for somebody who hasn't seen it in a while or hasn't seen it? Okay. Toy Story is this 
the story of a bunch of toys who live in Andy's room. Andy is the human child who owns them. And when Andy's not around, the toys come alive and they have adventures and they have their politics and whatnot. And uh, Andy has a birthday and he gets a new toy, which is a huge deal to toys because a new toy is, you know, a new person will now be living and sharing your space and taking your master or your owner's Mm -hmm. time. Um, And through a series of misadventures, uh, Buzz and Woody uh, get lost outside of the house and they have to get back before moving day happens. The stakes have never been higher. Yeah, it's kind of the gist. And you add in people like there's a neighbor next door who's this toy torturing psychopath named Sid, and it's a whole mess of things. Yeah, there's a lot going on. A few very key locations that we'll talk about, and uh, it's it's a children's movie, but it does the same thing that a lot of like the children's movies that end up like becoming timeless. Mm-hmm. Which is that it also caters to the adult audience. Yeah. So pretty, watching pretty it as a, oh, I'm basically 27 at this point. Probably when this You're episode like comes up. out, I'll be yeah. 27. Uh, I found a lot of humor in some of this that I never would have noticed. There's some like innuendo and some yeah. little like winks that I never would have second guessed. Just kind of genius. Even, like, know where to draw the line. That's so cool. Um, okay. So what's the best way to go about this? For just like general movie discussion. Um, let's. I think we. Could... Do you want to talk about the characters? Yeah, let's start with the characters. It's a good idea. Let's start with the reason why we're here. Tom Hanks, voice acts a character named Woody. No last name that I know of. Mm-mm. He's a cowboy. He's kind of an older toy. And he is in charge. Yeah. Now, I don't know what you know about this movie, but when they do, like, did they put the dots on him, on Tom? No, this is before. Because it totally looks like his face. They do. It sort of shares, captures a lot of his expressions. We were talking about, this movie's definitely aged since 95. Uh But it's sort of genius that it's toys because they're plastic and so them looking plastic and shiny and sort of like slightly off is fine. The humans, on the other hand, have aged pretty poorly, but they, they, they function. <laughs> um, and a lot of the movie just like shows their feet and stuff, I think, to avoid having to animate a ton of... Especially of, the adults. Yeah. You, you just don't ever adults. see... Which is smart play. Yeah. Um, like peanuts. But yeah, it was all... Everything just in the computer, no motion capture, no... None of that fancy stuff. Just some computers making them look like Tom. Because I feel like if you had told me that they did mocap, mm-hmm. I learned that from another episode that we did, the Polar <laughs> Express one. Yes. Uh, that I would buy it. I would believe that a lot of the things that they do with Woody's face are very similar to how I think Tom probably looked when he was recording. Yeah, I'd have to look. I, I, don't, I doubt they did it on the third one because mm-hmm. mocap didn't really become a huge thing until like post-Lord of the Rings because Lord of the Rings was kind of the... The one that was using it to, with the Gollum character. Oh. And that's 2000, 2000, 2001, uh, and Toy Story 3 is 2010, and Toy Story 2 is 99, so I think. Wow. Maybe Toy Story 3 had some of it, but I, I kind of doubt it. I kind of feel like they go, like, old school, I mean, old school computer animation, but, like, there's, like, a purity to their animation. Yeah. Well, Cool. Other... I also think they record a lot of the lines and they can adjust it based on the actor's performance. Oh. 
So, whereas, like, I think a lot of times, like, if, if you're, like, dubbing a cartoon, you have restrictions unless it's, like, a, in your native language where you're doing it first. So I think with this, you could have Tom act out a bunch of the lines and then cater the animation to him to, like, capture his performance that way, maybe. That's yeah. Way put it. So our other main character is Buzz Lightyear, the superhero action figure, the spaceman guy, who is a birthday gift. Mm-hmm. Voiced and by Tim Allen. Tim Allen. Yeah. I was this whole time. Oh God, I'm really like outing myself as a fucking dumbass. <laughs> Do you know what I'm gonna say? No. I thought it was Woody Allen. Oh. Okay. That doesn't make sense. I think both have the same last name. Yeah, but like he's not a voice actor. <laughs> but he has a very distinctive voice. Uh, I think he might have voice acted in the movie Ants. Oh, really? I think he did. <laughs> I don't care enough to look it up, but I, I'm going to say he did. Okay. And I, I think I'm accurate, maybe. Uh-huh. So Buddy and Wiz kind of by default just hate each other. Yeah. Uh, they can't really seem to find any common ground. When Buzz thinks he's a real space ranger at first. Yeah, Buzz, like, is not really understanding his own mortality. Which doesn't really make sense, because he thinks he's a space ranger, not a toy. But every time Andy comes in the room, he goes into toy mode and doesn't move. So there's some weird... Yeah. Maybe it's just built into toy DNA that you have to do that. I was kind of thinking that. Because they mentioned briefly before the end, when he's talking to all of the the mishmash toys, Uh he's like, we're going to break some rules. So there's, like... Toy code. Yeah, there's like a set of laws. Toy laws. Every toy must follow. Yeah. And one, of, probably the most important rule is like, don't let humans know that we're fully conscious. Yeah. <laughs> because you'll ruin these children's lives. Oh, R.I.P. Sid. Yeah. R.I.P. to Sid's fucking mental brain. That doesn't make sense. Okay. Two. Those are the two main people. I guess that's who we'll talk about for now. Okay. There's a bunch of other... Uh, I forget. Like, like side, those are really cool side characters. Yeah, some some fun ones. I don't know if you had a favorite. I always liked Rex. He's funny. Rex just seemed like he was the self conscious kid, like he wants to be taken seriously, but he's just goofy. Can't catch a break. Yeah. I love that word vocab one. Oh uh, yeah. Specifically because of the moment where Woody announces that it's Andy's birthday party and the words that flash up on the vocab screen are what? With like 15 <laughs> exclamation points and question marks. And it's just like, that would be me as a toy, I think. And Slinky's really pure. Yeah, and Mr. Potato Head's a piece of shit. Yeah, he's kind of a villain. Ugh. He's like the guy that he just... There's a weird mob mentality to a lot of scenes in this movie. Mm. And they're always led by Potato Head. Yeah. Like, Woody did this, toss him out the window. Woody did this, toss him out the truck. Yeah, he has no ability to like reason. No, he's like, um, he's he's kind of the chaotic, I don't want to say evil, maybe this movie's kind of chaotic evil, maybe chaotic neutral, we'll give him that. Yeah, Sid's probably chaotic evil, huh? Yeah. He might or just lawful be lawful evil. evil. Yeah. <laughs> What's, I don't know what that's doing. Oh, maybe Potato Head's lawful evil, because he thinks he's right. Yeah. He believes that he's right, he makes some rash decisions. Weirdly political. Mm-hmm. He just kind of shouts whatever he believes and it becomes law. Ugh. <laughs> <laughs> then we got the army men who are army men. Those guys are awesome. They're just doing their thing. They're just like real soldiers, man. I don't know what I was going to say. Okay. We'll come back. So. Well, I think the, something that always stands out to me when I think about this movie, and now that I'm kind of real, I haven't watched this movie in ages. Like, I don't, I actually don't remember the last time I saw this. Um, 
it's how vibrant the colors are mm-hmm. and the specific like scenery like you just like live it like Andy's room is a space I will never forget same with Pizza Planet yeah it's really iconic and same with uh, the neighbor Sid's house it's all shot from the toys perspective mm-hmm. there's only a few shots that are ever from like from Andy's level but even then it's sort of shots from places that toys could be yeah so you always feel small yeah. Which is really cool and kind of hard to pull off. I but in a way that you always, I mean, you feel that you're the same size as them. The world feels big to them, but you don't feel like your normal self in it, if that makes any sense. Mm-hmm. It's like you feel their height. Anytime something happens, like the scene where the uh, bulletin board gets knocked off the wall and all the pins are coming down, and it's like a really low angle of these like loud tacks coming. And if it sure. was us, it would mean nothing. It would be like annoying. But to them, it's this insane danger. projectile, danger, knife yeah. drop. So do you feel like, so Andy, obviously, his two favorite toys are Woody and Buzz. Yeah. Did you have a toys like that that you favored? Um, you know, I don't really remember. I, like I was saying, I was in, I, I had a lot, I had a lot of toys as a kid, but then I got really into Star Wars toys. And so it was less about one or the other. It was more about the, the group. I always had groups of them. I think because I had the mentality of like, they're all friends. Yeah. And Toy Story may put that in my brain. Or I don't think I ever believed that toys were real, but I was always like, just in case. Yeah. I'll have, they have buddies. So did you, what was your like style of play? Um, it was a lot of like make-believe new, new stories. Sometimes I'd recreate. Like from the movie? Yeah, but a lot, I liked a lot of new stories. I had, I had a giant Millennium Falcon. That, if I had a favorite toy, it was that thing. Okay. Like, I'm still sad. It actually might be in my attic. Oh. But it was awesome. And that was like the pinnacle of... But, like, the back opened up, and there was, like, the full set, so, like, I'd have, you know, you'd go there to, like, do your mission and, you know, prep for the whatever. My brother was really into toys, though. And he had all those old, like, might have been Playmate toys, but it was a castle and a a western town with, like, a saloon and all these, like, really, they're kind of, like, scrunched minifigures. Whoa. And he was big into toys. And so I'd always play with him, too. Okay. Because I could always, like control and ultimately like win in whatever capacity yeah because i was a big brother i was like a turd in that regard yeah i played with a lot of barbies okay you know that makes sense you know how it'd be we were young and we were sure that there's only one thing we can play with there's the boys toys and the girls toys yeah and uh, as a a true product of my upbringing i don't know if that's the right way to say that every storyline for my barbies was about this is so fucked up. Like now that I'm thinking about it, I always had like one Barbie that, that was like the me Barbie and then like the mean bitch Barbie. And they were both always fighting over the fucking boy. And the boy was always named like Brian or something like (laughs) always had, Oh my God. It's so damaging. Now that I'm thinking about that, I, from the age of like four, I was taught that like the only thing I should care about is having a boyfriend and that I should be fighting other women to get one. Well, there was, there, was another, there was never anything in media for us or in, like, toys broadcast to us that would suggest otherwise. Right. We had, we, our neighbor, um, we would babysit her and her family would babysit us a lot. And she had a lot of Barbies. And so we would, we would, you know, we'd have a crossover. She'd have her Barbies and we'd have our Star Wars people and we'd have animals and weird towns. And it always became like we play home. Uh-huh. But someone was always like a vet. I don't know why a vet was prevalent as a yeah. kid. Someone was like working on an animal. Or the, and there was a lot of dinosaurs. I was also really into dinosaur toys. Wow. Which is probably why I liked Rex. 
So there's a lot of dinosaurs in Barbie's house. Oh, no. This just reminded me, this is, like, not really related, but I went over to this girl's house one time, and she had the coolest room in her basement that was literally, like, the whole room. I don't know how to, like, give you a spatial reference, but it was an entire room, a long, skinny, like, storage area, full to the brim of, like, cardboard boxes that had been transformed into, like, Barbie homes. It was one of the most fucking coolest things I've ever seen in my whole life. She had, like, every Barbie you could ever imagine, and there was, like, mansions, and they were all, like, constructed, so they were all, like, special. Oh, my God. We used to just, like, the first time I saw that man, I couldn't believe it. I feel like I was, like, probably 13, and I was still playing with Barbies. Still, like, blow your mind. And we would, like, play Barbies with each other so that, uh... And then we just never talk about it after we left the room. I got, I was a big, big into video games as a kid. And I got into video games when I was like four or five. So I think I sort of got into that when I would have really gotten into toys. Yeah. Uh, and it sort of took my attention. Yeah. Oh, this is making me nostalgic. <laughs> nostalgic. Yeah. It is a little bit. I want to go play Barbies right now. And I want to like teach my Barbies about feminism and have like a much more. They just all go to college. Yeah. That's like how I play Barbies now. Well, I don't know a lot about the world uh, in terms of toys now, but I feel like there's a much... I'd be curious to see how stuff is marketed now, if it's mm-hmm. the same as I fear it is, or if it's there's a new sort of no, I you know, think world to things. There's more options, and a lot more things are accepted, I think. Yeah. Um, but I don't think I had any specific toys that I... I had like a teddy bear named Ted that I always... That was like my snuggle. That was like what I held. Oh, yeah. But I had a pretty cool Pikachu that talked. I'd always hung out on my bed. You and I would be friends when we were little. I think so. Do you think? I think we could have been. I don't know that we would have had anything in common. Well, I kind of just liked anything. And I think I was so obsessed with like new things Mm -hmm. that it would have been. But maybe not. Maybe it would have been enemies. Well, I had a, a neighbor who had Pokemon and I always like. I started collecting Pokemon cards because yeah. I wanted him to show me how to play. Yeah, yeah. And I never got to play with him except for when they played Batman and I had to be fucking Poison Ivy. Oh. Because oh, of my red hair. Yeah. That's all I got to do with the boys. I never got to play with the boys. I, this is super off topic, but <laughs> I went to a, <clears throat> a friend's birthday party and he had gift bags and Pokemon was huge at the time. And for his birthday, he got two Pokemon games. And in the, in the gift bags were Pokemon trading cards. And we opened them, and the rare, the, the end all card at the time was a first edition Charizard. And I pulled one out of this Holy pack. Holy shit. And I didn't have the money to buy a Pokemon. I really wanted the game. I played the cards, couldn't afford the game. And he offered me his new Pokemon game for the card. Because back then it was like, it's worth $150. And we traded it. And to this day, it was like the greatest trade I ever made because I got Pokemon. And I later learned his parents were obviously furious because he just traded his birthday gift. One of them to me. I can't for believe a card. that they like stood for it. Yeah, I imagine it would have been a. I wonder if my parents ever talked to them and they were like, I don't know what to say. Like, yeah, they're learning. Or maybe he covers. didn't tell till later. Yeah. But that was like the highlight of of that. Wow. That's my off subject story. <laughs> no, I, I liked have no it. chance to tell that. Yeah. So it, I mean, it it helps us probably why this movie is so uh, memorable and important to people our age. Mm. Is because it feels so real. Yeah. And like wrapped in childhood. And what yeah. was important to you as a kid. We've watched a lot of grown-up movies. 
doing it's, this podcast. It's nice to come down and just be. Though, with that being said, I would. I'd like, I mean, I think this movie carries a lot of adult themes with it. Okay. Um, which we can come back to. I, I realize no. I just walked right no, no, no. over Let's the. Let's go. Uh, okay. Um, I, I feel like the movie is is a lot about identity. Mm-hmm. I think it's about friendship and group dynamic, um, and also about just like how you embrace change in these settings. Yeah. I mean, Buzz. The whole plot of Buzz is he thinks he's one thing, learns he's not, and then goes through like this ten minute period where he's insanely depressed. He's like lost an arm, doesn't know who he is. He'll be whatever anyone tells him to be. And he just kind of sits and stares. And then through his friendship with Woody, he realizes like where he finds importance and then comes back into himself and finds himself. That's kind of crazy. And it's the same thing with Woody. Who's always been this leader and the favorite. And he gets knocked down from that bracket and is now having to share things almost like a little brother type Mm -hmm. of thing. And has to figure out who he is again because he does—he's not who he used to be, but he's still himself, and has to kind of figure out how his new self fits into the world. And uh, that was the thing I think that hit me the hardest this time. Is Toy Story sort of about identity with yeah. these toys, and even with Andy, who shifts from—he's the cowboy-loving kid, and then he becomes the space spaceman loving kid it's not the right word but whatever <laughs> and then at the end he's blended them there's bed sheets and it's buzz and it's woody and they're sharing space and it's all about like finding these happy mediums in this weird that's pretty cool yeah i mean i feel like we should cancel the podcast and you should just write a book about this because whatever <laughs> you just said is way more interesting <laughs> than whatever i'll be able to contribute well it's just because you, you brought up the how much adult stuff is in this and why a movie like this is effective to kids and adults. Yeah. And I think that's why this movie so perfectly blends things where at a kid level it's super enjoyable. You get a little bit of all emotions. There's a little bit of scary stuff. There's a little bit of heartwarming stuff. There's some cool action and there's parts that make you angry and there's parts that make you happy. And then as an adult you watch the same things because I think we understand where Woody is. Mm-hmm. Especially I imagine for kids you understand being... Because I always looked at it as like a new friend entering a group. Yeah. And there's a weird thing where when you're sort of similar in your personality, how they can shift this attention that you're used to and you almost feel like you aren't, you've, you deserve. Mm-hmm. And the movie's almost like, you don't deserve it. You have to share it. You have to adjust. Yeah. It's pretty cool for a kid's movie. I agree. It's, it's like barely a kid's movie almost. It's sort of disguising these major things in animation, but animation does not mean kid's movie. Well, that's kind of what, I, what makes Pixar stand out. Mm-hmm. Like their whole thing is it's not like watching I can't even think of like what a, an example of a bad kids movie would be well, I feel like a lot of stuff like a lot of DreamWorks say movies get mm-hmm. that brand of being they're so heavily tied to children all the humor is kid based and there's like a baseline message but it's sort of surrounded by a lot of like fart jokes uh-huh. and it sort of puts off parents because they sort of find it annoying yeah uh, I think kind of like the minions phase there's a lot of people yes. that hate the minions because to you know, if you're a parent and you're gonna have to watch this movie a thousand times with your kids, it starts to irk at you. And they can't even talk. Lesson being learned. Minions yeah. can't even speak English. Not well, that they need to be speaking English, but like yeah. they can't communicate. <laughs> <laughs> and it's like teaching my dad used to get so mad at me when I would talk in a baby voice all the time. Mm-hmm. And like at least the the essential like the minions of this movie, the yeah. little aliens, they can speak. Yeah. And, and, and they have a very minimal part. They're memorable because it's short and sweet. Yeah. And they're funny and then <laughs> Leave and be. 
That seems so cute. Um, so you mentioned identity and you mentioned, I can't remember what the two other things you mentioned. I think, I think family is really interesting. Yeah. Because, which I feel like I read somewhere that there's no dad because it was too hard to animate. Oh. But I don't know. It's really interesting, Andy and his mom's relationship. We don't spend a lot of time together until the, the future movies. But here's a kid. He clearly has a lot of friends because all of his friends came to his birthday party. Yeah, he, he spends a lot of time alone. Party. And he's got a crazy active imagination. But all of these toys are family. Mm-hmm. And that's why things like a new toy is scary to them because it's a change in the family. Oh. Uh, and then I forgot the third thing I said. Well, I'm sure you'll think of it. Yeah, come back. <laughs> you can always re-listen to what we just recorded. But <laughs> yeah, I can always just dump back. Uh, I think that is really interesting. I think I kind of wonder if Andy and his mom, like maybe his parents are getting divorced and that's why they're moving. Oh, that'd be dark. Uh, but maybe. But also like a thing that happens for a lot of kids. Yeah. And I always, something I've always like, when I think of Sid, the fucking mean kid next door who yeah. just like fucks with all the toys and hurts them and like I don't know what I, I made the connection today when we were watching it that Sid's like living situation is so much different. So much is so different compared to Andy's. Mm-hmm. Even though they live literally next door to each other, Andy couldn't have like a more like quaint, peaceful situation. And Sid's entire existence seems, like, chaotic. Yeah, we don't spend a lot of time with Sid um, and his family, but uh, the differences I always notice is that Andy and his mom and his sister do a lot of things together. His sister's a toddler, but they do things together. They go to Pizza Planet together. She's involved in the birthday, and they don't ever fight. They're, you know, they're engaged into his life. And whereas, like, Sid and his sister seem to have a pretty, what you know, not great relationship. We spend one scene in a room with, I think, Sid's dad when Buzz is hiding from the dog. Yeah. And his dad's just asleep in a chair. So there's a weird, definitely a different family dynamic of super separation. And the fact that Sid is allowed to just play with fire and yeah. shit. When he's like, he's at Pizza Planet alone. Yeah. He's just always alone. And compared to the way that Andy and his family, like you said, do everything together, Sid literally plays by himself completely unsupervised with things like fire and, like, weird tools. Like, why does he have all those tools in his room? And he gets to order stuff off of, not the internet at the time, but he gets, like, huge fireworks shipped to his house, which you need a parent to do. He goes to Pizza Planet by himself. And I guess he must also be a teenager. He's got braces and... Oh. So he's, he's a little older. He's also so mean to his little sister. Yeah, he doesn't really have any redeeming qualities. Yeah. Which I would say is a negative. I think we, we see glimpses of him again in the other two movies. Okay, don't tell me because I don't um, remember. I think it's more like Easter egg stuff. Okay, do they talk like, about him like going crazy? Huh? Do they talk about him like being like the weird kid who went I crazy I don't think toys? so. I think they just kind of like you like see him once or twice. Okay. So I'd almost like that because I do, he's sort of like irredeemable in this. He's just pure evil. God, he's he has so no mean. good factor to him. Well, but like, I, okay. I also had a hard time like distinguishing what I was supposed to, like, gather from his situation. Like, that's kind of sad. Yeah. Their house seems to be a lot more run down than Andy's. Um, He doesn't have as many, like, things. Um, And you wonder if a kid is, is, like, burning up toys and torturing them 
as a way of like acting out either a learned yeah. like aggression or um, like that's his only way of coping. Like it's really sad. Yeah, I kind of feel like it, it sort of glazes over it by painting it as like teenage rebellion. Yeah. But I think if sort of viewed through any type of magnifying glass, you're like, or maybe he's, you know, in a bad mental state. Yeah, like maybe his dad's an alcoholic. Yeah. But in a way, then the toys, you know, with their, their plan that comes to life changes him for the better. Yeah. Uh, in a dark way. No, I... scar him, but I think they do. He learned consequences. Yeah. They Not by... I mean, for them, it wasn't like some great deed they were doing. They were saving their buddy, but mm-hmm. they prevented it from continuing. I think those those toys kind of teach us a lesson. And I remember being... Every time it got to... When they were driving back from Pizza Planet, that is the point of the movie that like fills me with dread every time. Where I'm like, oh my god, that terrifying fucking baby doll with the claws <laughs> is going to come out. I hate that baby doll toy. It's so creepy. Has, ugh, But I guess like the lesson that you learn is like, don't judge a book by its cover. It could still be like a nice, happy toy who's like literally living despite... Andy or not Andy Sid's wishes of it just being mutilated beyond repair. Oh, but well, and they're like the best. They like fix each other up. They're sort of like the they're that that group dynamic again. Like they're all BFFs. They love each other for their differences, and they know how to like use each other to make each other better. Yeah. Like when they fix Buzz or when they fix the pterodactyl and the baby doll that got decapitated. Well, that's kind of what you were talking about. The third thing was embracing change. Yeah. Friendship, which I think goes into family, but then the whole idea of embracing change in yourself and in like learning to with others. So I think, I think the, the misfits are just that they're the people at school that aren't the same as you, that you're like, they're weird. But in reality, they're like into their own stuff and also beautiful and do things way better than you in other capacities. And like, you should figure out your dynamic and become friends with them or like learn your, Learn why they, like you said, don't judge a book by its cover. It's the easiest, it's the easiest catchphrase, but they're well, awesome. They're cool toys. Creepy little misfits could have just rolled over and accepted their fate mm-hmm. as like broken, never going to be played with again. And they're like still helpful. They're, and then the only reason their plan works because they're these borderline like disabilities, as I think they're originally looked at, become mm-hmm. the way that. You know, how are they going to hang from... How are they going to hang from the sun and ring the doorbell? Oh, you need the fish pole... The, the fishing rod with legs to grab the duck man with strong arms and the frog that has wheels now that can run away from the dog. Mm. Everyone gets... It's almost like the team-up of the Avengers where, like, everyone gets to use their power and do wow. what's got to be done. Wow. I did not know I was, like, listening to a TED Talk, but <laughs> I'm in it. Oh, no, I'm just mansplaining. <laughs> no, not at all. <laughs> Well, okay. But the, well, in that regard, I, I think we we, did, we didn't really discuss Buzz and Woody as people. Okay. And how that sort of comes back into those into those themes. Okay. How do you see, how do you see the character of Woody? Because I think he's really interesting, especially as a Tom Hanks character. Yeah, Woody is interesting. He's so, he's he's in quotes the good guy, mm-hmm. but he's very flawed. Which is how you get any an interesting character. We yep. always complain when a character isn't fleshed out. Woody is jealous, and he's afraid that he's going to lose his place of like comfort. The whole like homeostasis of his existence is becoming, it's changing, and he acts out by 
harmlessly kind of just like making Buzz hard to see. Yeah. That's like, it's like a simple thing. He's not really thinking of the consequences. And then it becomes this whole disaster. Like the whole movie takes place after Buzz is pushed out the window. Yeah. And the other toys rightfully are mad at Woody about that because he's being selfish. He's supposed to be the leader who wants the best for everyone, but turns out he wants the best for everyone when that also means the best for Woody. Yeah. I think he wants the best for Woody first mm-hmm. and if it can be for everyone. Something I never noticed till really this viewing is... I always was like, oh, why didn't the toys... It's always that thing in a lot of movies. You're like, why didn't he just explain himself? What happened? But everything we've seen of Woody is he's like a, he's like a very specific planner. He plans how things are going to go. He leads these talks of what's going to happen. And so when Buzz goes out the window, the toys only know this planning Woody that knows exactly what he's doing. Mm. So of course they're not going to believe that by accident he did it. They're like, you did it. You wanted it to happen. This is a very good point. This kind of makes sense. I read a thing um, that originally they wanted, that t- even Tom Hanks had voiced that he thought Woody was a jerk. That in an original screenplay, when he was recording stuff, he was like, Woody's just kind of a jerk. Wow. He's like this sort of a-hole he was too much. They had to give him something to kind of cool it off and make him likable. Otherwise, you're just making this sort of... Well, what does make him likable? I think because he has, even though he's selfish, he's still like, he's still like his heart's in the right place. Yeah. To a degree, I think it takes him a while to find that. And then ultimately, he tries to do the right thing to save Buzz, and it keeps failing, but rather than just accepting it, which part of that he's afraid to go back to the room because they hate him now. Yeah, he's But like, at a certain point, he's like, I have to save this person. Do you think... So there's this, this big section that you had kind of alluded to where uh, Buzz is having his identity crisis. Yeah. And it ends with him kind of accepting and admitting defeat. Like, mm-hmm. I'm... I'm not a space master, whatever. (laughs) That's not the word. Space ranger. Space ranger. Um, And Woody seems to have a similar, like, moment of realization where he's like, Andy doesn't want me. Like, I'll never be a shiny space ranger. I'm just an old cowboy. Uh, My question is, do you buy it? Like, do you buy that he's having this real moment? I think so, because I think he's, like... I think he realizes Buzz has given up, and with him giving up, then he's, he's also defeated. Yeah. Which is sort of, again, that group thing, because they need each other, and yeah. especially in that moment, neither of them can do it without each other. And so That's he gives up, and exactly. he's like, you, but he, then he makes it, he finally kind of moves past his selfishness, and he makes it about Andy, mm-hmm. where he's like, Andy deserves you. Yeah. We, you know, you need to go back, because Andy needs you. Mm-hmm. Not, I need you to get back into the group, but Andy needs you. Yeah. And then Buzz is like, oh. Which kind of teaches a young viewer, like, that you can do things to benefit other people. Mm -hmm. Think about people besides yourself, which is a good lesson. Yeah. Feels good. It does. It feels good to help other people. And it feels good to, like, be nice to people. And even, like, Potato Head gets what's coming to him. He gets, like, destroyed by RC car when he gets thrown into the back of the truck. Yeah, he does. What a great action scene. You got Woody and Buzz riding RC car. And there's cars and a dog and it's chaos. And then RC car runs out of gas or out of battery. So they light the rocket and it's just... It's great. Italian finger kiss. Yeah, yeah. They set everything up. They show you the match getting put in his pocket way ahead of time. It's just, it's all, it's just good storytelling. And then we get the, the famous, I'm not aiming for the truck. 
I don't know. Is that famous? I, I as a kid, it was always stuck in my mind because you're like, "What are you doing?" But then, I mean, Buzz oh. is, and Buzz flies. He actually flies. He yeah. falls with style. Wait, okay. I remember when we were watching something happened, and you were like, "This is my favorite line in the whole movie." I have no idea why. I get this with a lot of things. There's always like a quote that is not like a famous quote, but something about the inflection of the way it's said sticks with me. Uh And for Toy Story, it's the part where Woody's in the toy box. He gets put away in the toy box for the night. Yeah. And he comes out in the morning. He's looking for his hat, and the shark pops up, the squeaky shark, and he's wearing his Woody's hat. And he's like, I'm Woody. Howdy, howdy, howdy. (laughs) No idea. I remember that scene since I was a kid. Just that howdy, 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 which I'll say to people, and it's not like a line anyone would know. I just sound like a psychopath. Well, and but that's like the the Toy Story line that I think of. That's interesting. I don't know why. Don't know what it is. Um, I remember Little Bo Peep being a lot sexier than she was. Bo Peep's a weird character. Yeah, <laughs> she's very sexualized. Yeah, she's clearly go- she's clearly with Woody at the beginning. Mm-hmm. Um, ah! She's like, come freaking chill with me later. I'm just a few blocks away. Yeah, and then Buzz shows up, and immediately she's like, I know who my packing buddy is. I'm like, dang. Yeah, she dropped him so fast. So maybe they weren't a thing. I don't really know. No, but then they're like smooching later. Yeah. What is Bo Peep? Is she a lamp? I think it. <laughs> like, what toy is she? Yeah, and why is she in Andy's room? I guess yeah. that's kind of cool, though. I think he shares a room with his little sister. Do, I thought she... Is there a maybe. crib in his room? Oh, there is. You're right. Maybe that's why they have to move to a yeah, bigger house. that makes sense. So Bo Peep's... Okay. Here I was about to be like, he's progressive, Andy's got... <laughs> Andy nope. doesn't see gender. Yeah. No, no, no. Well, I was going to ask you, uh, this was a question I wrote down, if, the, like, a big theme of the movie is, like, things getting old, like, you outgrow things, and you get sick of old things, but then also remembering to, like, find value in things that are timeless and classic, blah, 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 blah. So that's why Andy ultimately is able to, like, remember Woody. Because he just remembers how much fun he had with Woody when he was a little boy. Yeah. So, whatever. Uh, but this movie's old at this point now. Almost 20 years old. 23 years old? Yeah. 23rd episode, 23 years old. What? Uh, yeah, it, this movie's old. Um, and you mentioned the animation is, like, older style. Mm-hmm. And I just wonder, like... As viewers, do we view new movies with, like, flashier animation and, like, fancier techniques the same way that Andy views, like, his old toys? I think to a degree. If you showed someone who had never seen this growing up that was our age yet, I'd be really curious to see a reaction. I think from a story element, it'll absolutely work. But I wonder if the... how it has aged would affect their enjoyment of it. Yeah. Because in a way, like, hand-drawn animation doesn't age... The same way it always is like beautiful because it's hand drawn. It was made with, with uh, artist artistic techniques that do not improve. It's just a new style. Whereas mm-hmm. computer animation has improved and can become anyone's style. But like they look, no one would argue that it doesn't look better now. Yeah, I don't think people would. Um, yeah, so I, I would be curious. I mean, from just a story, like the crux of it being a film with a story. I think it absolutely works. Voice acting's great. Mm-hmm. Sound design's great. Music's great. Even I think the animation still completely works for what it is. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, I would be very curious about that. And you and I are probably a little biased just because it is. Yeah, like I think in direct. the same way Andy loves his stuff, like we have an attachment to this with Tom Hanks and with 
that we probably saw this as kids. Something I was just literally just thinking about is that this, if I think about it, this is probably the first, like, introduction I ever had to Tom Hanks. Okay. Same with you, maybe. Probably. Like, I don't know what else I would have seen. Well, at least in the realm of, like, stuff I would remember. Yeah. So we remember his voice. I've always loved Tom Hanks's voice. Yeah. And that's, like, like when we talk about the audiobook that he did for Uncommon Type, like, there's always been this, like, comfort and appeal. Yeah, he's got the grandpa dynamic of, like, hearing him speak makes you feel safe. Yeah. And I think part of it is probably because we remember it from being little. Yeah, our first movie friend, be, or one of our first movie friends being Woody. What a not cool knowing thing. It. That's pretty great. To have done, like... The man has done so much. Little did we know. He's but what an incredible thing to be part of. Yeah. That's awesome. And, there, and there's more. Cool. And there's a new one next year. Oh, my God. Which makes me nervous. Out? I'm nervous about it because I think they wrapped it up sort of perfectly. I trust them, though. I feel like you don't come back to this unless they're like, money. But I feel like, no. No. I've, I've enjoyed... This, is it still Pixar? Yeah. I've truly enjoyed, like, every single Pixar film. I've never seen any of the spinoff ones that happened for, like, television. Like, oh. Toy Story of Terror or whatever. They did, oh, like, same. Halloween and Christmas ones. Which maybe we can do those on mini-sodes. Because yeah. I think Hanks comes back to do the voice. Cute. Um, but, yeah, I feel like there's sort of... it's. I mean, the trilogy of Toy Story gets put into the realm of best trilogies. So it makes a lot of sense that they would continue, I guess. Though I am nervous. Well, we got some time. Yeah. Um, is that... Well, actually, the last thing I had on my list was to talk about the music by Randy Newman. Oh, so so iconic. It's so iconic. I didn't realize... I thought he had just did the one song, but he mm-hmm. does every single song. There's a lot... Yeah, there's a lot of Newman on this. Including including the version of Hakuna Matata that's playing in the car. Really? <laughs> like, that was, like, his voice. That's so cute. A little Easter egg. He's got a nice... Voice. It fits the tone. He's got that country twang a little bit. Mm-hmm. It is really good. And You've Got a Friend in Me was made for this movie? Yeah. That's so cute. And I feel like, I think it won an Oscar. Do movies still do that? Like, do songs just for the movie? Yeah. That isn't, the, like, Greatest Showman? The, yeah, the Oscars are filled with, because there's, like, a certain original song for the movie, like, Frozen's Let It Go. Uh-huh. But those are all, I feel like a song not for a musical you is, do get those. You get weird ones like... Um, Adele did that one for the James Bond movie. Yeah, or like they did... Uh, I think it was called Glory for Selma. Yeah. Like on occasion, there's a song written and to, you know, to different quality levels. But I feel like it's less... done a lot less. Mm-hmm. I feel like it used to be like there was always a song tied to a movie with a bad music video attached to it. Oh. Um, I was going to see... This movie won... Well, first off, this was the first computer animated movie, which is kind of crazy. Wait, of all time? Like the first feature-length computer animated movie, yeah. That's cool. So, like, Pixar came around in the 80s. It actually got bought by Apple. Okay. So, for a while, Steve Jobs owned it and had, like, a lot of creative control. Like, wanted a lot of creative control in the making of this, which I thought was interesting. Because Pixar was, when they were first going to partner with Disney, Pixar wanted to keep you know, retain their creative control and retain their characters. And they eventually came to a thing that Disney would own the characters, but um, they would then 
potentially produce more Pixar, which of course now they produced everything Pixar's done. Mm-hmm. But I feel like people associate Pixar and Disney together, but they're separate companies. Yeah, I definitely. They just didn't they run know everything that. through Disney because they make a lot of money. It makes a lot of sense. Um, we were talking about when the opening credits were happening. There's a lot of, I mean, besides the cast list, which is nuts, mm-hmm. um, including my favorite new addition that I've realized, but Laurie Metcalf is Andy's <laughs> mom. Yeah. Which is the best. And then what's the name of Eric Von... Oh, I forgot his name. Who, Von Street or something? From, from Brink. He's, yeah, he's the guy from Brink and from Princess Diaries. Like, what... He's Sid? Yeah, he's the mean bully. Which, once you know it, you can hear it. I had such a crush on that guy. I think everyone did. Oh, that, like, greasy hair. Ooh, yeah. baby. Roller skating. <laughs> and it has a... It, the screenplay is co-written by Joss Whedon, which is nuts. Yeah. Um, and I, I think we should take just a second to discuss... Um, it's directed by John Lasseter, mm. who is uh, a huge person in the world of animation and also an incredibly... An incredibly problematic person uh, with the details that came out, I think, last year. Yeah. About a lot of sexual harassment things that had come up with him in the workplace. Um, which is sort of the interesting conversation of, he did a lot of great things, but you can't overlook what he also did. Yeah. Um, did did that feel, shift... I was. I think we're both going to ask each other the same yeah. question. I'd be curious, because I think if I'm being honest, I, at a certain point, blend into the... I, this is a nostalgic move for me, and I blend in and sort of forget things. Yeah. I think that is good and bad uh i don't know if i'm just like found a way to like well i can ignore the problematic parts yeah um but i was sort of looking for any i mean i don't know what it is i try and look for things that don't age well and like want to like blame things on things but Mm -hmm. i don't know i feel like this is a case of like he made some super poor decisions and was used his power in ways that are completely um completely awful yeah well, we had a. I just went to see the movie Scream at the mm. Hollywood Forever Cemetery. It was an outdoor movie put on by Cinespia, and I'd never seen Scream, and I didn't. I had no idea that that movie had like such a crazy cult following, and like, I just had. I like had no idea what I was walking into, and I really <laughs> liked the movie. But um, at the end of it, the name flashes up that it was produced by Harvey Weinstein, and then like fifteen oh, yeah. other fucking Weinstein people, and everyone in the crowd started booing, yeah. which is nuts. And I heard people being like, "I thought they took his name out of the credits of this movie." Like, I had, and then Rose McGowan is in that movie, yeah, and it, like, his assault of her happened like right after this movie or something. Like, it was so crazy that I was watching this movie and I had no idea, and I don't really know what it tells. I don't know that it's it impacts my viewing of the movie so much other than just to give it more content uh, context. I mean, yeah, it's, uh, that's the toughest question. The separating art from artists thing. Yeah. Uh, there's, I've heard cause we've had, I mean, obviously in the movement we're in, there's been a lot of crazy conversation about it. Not crazy, like actively great conversation that is making change happen. Um, but sort of this thing of like a movie's not done by one person. Mm-hmm. And there's a lot of people that work on it, a lot of people put their time into it. And so to take, to strip away everyone's work for one person's misdeed seems unfair, which I think I agree with. Yeah. Um, but it is, it's, it's weird to, it is weird to dive back into something knowing the new context. Um, I think for this, I don't know. I honestly don't know. Yeah. It's just kind of something you sit with and think about like. Yeah. And it's fresh. Mm-hmm. And it is a, like, if you, you know, you make a version and just white out that person's name, I think you wouldn't know. That's yeah. not the way you should do it. I think you, the hist- I mean, you have to keep, 
That's like you said, someone said they should take his name out. But I think to a degree it should be there because we should. I think it's important to have that history note of like, here's this awful human that had all this power, made great things happen for these other people doing these things, but mm-hmm. is still this. And like, who knows who they human. hurt in the process of making these movies. Yeah. But I think you're right. It's definitely not something we should like forget. Yeah, you can't hide it. Um, yeah. I mean, obviously not going to glorify it because if people booed it and like that rules kind of. Yeah. Sweet. I mean, it was a wonderful audience. Yeah. Everyone was cheering, but that's another episode, another time. Yeah. I think that's a whole discussion hard to get into. <laughs> yeah. Wanting to end Toy Story with. Like, <laughs> yeah. Lighthearted. But of course but, we're open to just like chatting about it. If, if y'all got some opinions. Yeah. I, th- I think it is, especially, I think this one's really interesting because it is a, a product so tied to our childhood that mm-hmm. has now been uh, redefined by its creator allegedly doing these thing having this these misconduct allegations against him yeah um, so do you do you have more to say no uh i think it's pretty clear i think we knew this coming in we both is really this like your this favorite movie. i don't know okay i always think that this is your favorite in my mind i'm so attached i was going to college when three came out yeah two is incredible I, I genuinely don't i think i'll have a better answer after we watch them okay uh, I don't think it is, but maybe it is. I don't know. Okay. Out of all the Tom movies? Oh, out of the Tom movies, no. Okay. I okay. love Toy Story. I think it is glorious, but of all the Tom movies, I don't think so. Okay. Which feels wrong to say, but... No. There's a lot of good Tom. Yeah, there is. And luckily, we have so much more to watch. Yeah. Well, I guess that... Well, and I'll just say I also... I love this movie. I... The... It... A lot of the action stuff and a lot of the conflict, like, really stresses me out, but that's just a product of, like, my generalized anxiety disorder and not uh, a flaw of the movie. Yeah. Also, it's a hundred and... Or it's an hour and 21 minutes, so, like, primo timing. This is, like, kind of the movie that, if I do have kids someday, this is the kind of movie I I would be very excited to watch with them. Oh, so pumped about that. Yeah. So pumped. Aw. Well, Okay. That sums up our discussion of the movie Toy Story. Toy Story. And now it's time for a recurring segment and our most popular segment, Heard Round the World. It's time for Hank's Happenings. This is the segment that we do where we find things that Tom Hanks has been up to in and around the world, and then we talk about them. I got a great one for you today, Daniel. Bring the noise. So, a couple months ago... This sweet little girl named Aspen was uh, diagnosed with leukemia, I believe. I hope that's right. Yep, she's been fighting leukemia since November 22nd, 2017. And her mother posted a birthday request for Aspen. Her birthday is on September 1st, or that was a few days ago at the time of this recording. Um, And she said for her birthday, she wants to get a postcard from every single state and hopefully every country like as many places in the world as possible she posts this on facebook it goes viral and it gets shared on facebook it gets shared on twitter and soon enough postcards start pouring in from places all over the world and mom's reading the letters one day and she sees there's one from greece she's so excited she's like wow cool who would have thought someone from greece all the way in greece saw are my request for my sweet little daughter wants a birthday card and guess who the postcard is from tom tom hanks 
who was on vacation in Greece with his wife. Probably shooting Mamma Mia too. Oh my God. <laughs> Here we go again. And he mailed this sweet girl a birthday card from Greece. That's awesome. Like, like he didn't do it to like make headlines. Yeah. Because the mom said that it, she didn't even think it was real at first. She had to cross-reference like samples of his handwriting she found online. <laughs> and then she that's wrote, like, how she verified. Full CSI on it. Isn't that the sweetest? That is a fantastic. God, I fucking love him. He's just like what I like hope the world. Deep down, I like. Oh, actually, uh, we won't talk about that yet. Are humans like inherently good? <laughs> that's what I was going to ask you. But well, I think you were talking at the beginning of the episode, we were around it, we were sort of going over the history of the podcast. And I think the other thing that we made the podcast for is like, there's a ton of shit people in the world and it's fantastic that we're sort of, you know, going in and, par- you know, it's partially a joke, but I think a lot of it's true. Like we're like, you know, bowing at Tom Hanks because he is like this, beacon of hope that there are good people in positions of power in the world who everything around them is everything everyone around them says is the positive that you see them portray and yeah. seems to be the truth yeah and, and with a man as with as storied of a career as he has yeah and such a large in, like incredible body of work that there is like nothing bad about yeah. him and that's how you get a podcast yeah we have super strict standards yeah and you did good Tom <laughs> Anyway, that cheered me up. That's a little human interest piece for you for the end that of the broadcast. Really nice. That's a good way to go out. <laughs> Did you have any thing happening? Any talk Tom to us? That's another segment we do. No. Um, I just think a lot about Mamma Mia. And, um, <laughs> oh, yeah? That's, that's pretty much my day. My days right now. Wow, okay. So that's a good day in my book. Ah, well, yeah. I can't wait to see it. I haven't seen it yet. Uh yeah. Well, we found it in the last episode that we did. <laughs> Daniel found out that Tom and Rita Wilson, Tom's wife, uh, produced the Mamma Mia series. Like, yeah. the first one and the second one. Maybe well, that's my new goal, is make a movie that Tom will produce. Oh, my God. That'd be pretty cool. I don't really know how that happened. I mean, he has a pretty select lineup. We'll find it. We'll find it. We'll probably have to shoot it in Greece. Well, if we have to. I'm also part of this now. Yeah. Producer, so that we have to work with him directly. Uh-huh. Perfect. It's perfect. Well, what movie are we watching next? Our next Tom Hanks movie is That Thing You Do. Oh my God. His writing and directing debut that he also is a co-star. He's not a co-star, he's in it. I'm really excited for this one. Have you seen it before? No, but I have a cool. lot of people who really can't wait for me to watch it. That'll be a cool discussion because there are two versions of this movie. Both, I think very effective in different things. How will we know which one to watch? I think we watch theatrical. Okay. And uh, maybe we'll go over a... I think there's a way to like watch like what the... Because like the other version is like an extra 45 minutes. Was it a director's cut? I don't know if it's considered a director's cut. It might be just ex- called an extended cut. Whoa, cool. I, I'll look... I'll do some research to see if he has a preferred version, but I think the theatrical cut might be his preferred version. Wow. I'm um, Yeah. And then we... So we do have that thing you do, and then we do Saving Private Ryan... Toy Story 2 and the Green Mile, and that'll wrap us out of the 90s. Oh, my God. Um, so that's pretty much what we do around here. Yeah. I'm really happy the way that it's working out, though, because we'll do that thing you do, Saving Private Ryan, which is... <gasps> and then we got You Got Mail, so the boost. Yes. And then we've got Toy Story 2, Super Boost, Green Mile. Back to... Uh, Bleak. So, yeah. Well, cool stuff. So stay tuned. We'll be releasing episodes every other week. 
with minisodes scattered here yeah, and I think there. we got some fun minisode stuff coming up. Yeah, we got lots of ideas. We just, it's a matter of finding the time. Yeah. Oh, well, we got to find the time. Uh, I guess that sums it up for us. I think so. Where uh, can you find us on the internet? Daniel, thank you for asking. We're all over the internet. We're, we got a website. We figured out how to do that. www.talkintom.com. And you also don't need to put the WWs anymore. Talkintom.com. That's talking without the G's. Uh, we're on Instagram, Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, under the handle. Potting's Tomcast. It's a clever play on words that I do not regret. But sometimes I do typing it and explaining to other people. But nevertheless, uh, we're everywhere. Love interacting with you guys. If you've got questions, if you've got thoughts about the separating art from the artist <laughs> or other If you want to get really, if you want to get into it with us, go yeah. deep. Yeah, find us. We're on all things. All the things. And uh, that's it for now. Uh, yeah. Until next my time. name is Josie. I'm Daniel. Hey, Thanks for, for listening. listening.